So Money, episode 1241, How to Quit Your Job with Tim Herrera, former editor at the New York Times who just quit his job. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Earlier this year, there was this this wave of stories about hitting the pandemic wall. And that really, really resonated with me because I so, so hit my pandemic wall. And I just like could sense that I was on a direct path to burnout. Our theme of how to quit continues on So Money. And today I have a great guest. He's a friend and colleague, Tim Herrera, who is now a freelance writer and editor. But for many years, he worked for the New York Times service journalism section called Smarter Living. There for five years, he wrote and edited stories on personal finance, office culture, and job satisfaction, as well as mental health, digital privacy, and so much more. He was also co-editor of the Smarter Living book. He's currently writing a book about self-awareness. Before coming to the Times, he worked at the Washington Post, where he was on the digital strategy team and wrote about online culture. He lives in Manhattan with his two cats and his platonic life partner. I saw that Tim quit his job on Twitter. He posted it on social media recently, and I privately messaged him and said, hey, would you be willing to talk about this on my podcast to tens of thousands of people? And he said, absolutely. So got to thank him for his transparency and willingness to talk about something that is kind of sensitive, but he wants to tell you all about it. What led up to his resignation, his advice for us in terms of how to prepare for quitting, the financial implications when you quit. Tim fortunately had savings, but if you don't have savings, what is his advice? And what is he looking forward to next? Stick around. Friday's episode is going to be answering all of your money questions related to quitting your job. I got my friend and employment expert, Dan Chabelle, co-hosting with me. You don't want to miss that episode. Make sure you're subscribing. Ahead of that, here is Tim Herrera. Tim Herrera, welcome to So Money and congrats. Fresh off the employment boat. No one owns you anymore. I'm retired. It feels amazing. I'm just done. I'm ejecting myself from capitalism. I'm just done working. You are spent. I could, I sensed that from your Twitter feed. How That's how I learned that you left the New York Times and everybody listening. Tim, who was one of, on the founding team of Smarter Living, uh, a, a big feature at the New York Times. This was a section devoted to giving people advice about their careers. Interesting that maybe you took your own advice here and, and decided to quit. But what led you to this moment, Tim? Besides, of course, the pandemic being uh, unbearable. Essentially, the pandemic being unbearable. Um, so I, you know, I, I felt like I was handling the pandemic okay in 2020. Um, you know, I was like doing the work and, and putting out what were, you know, I think pretty impactful stories with our work at the Times. Um, you know, trying to just like keep ahead of of the burnout and like do everything I could to at the time stave that off. But you know, last winter I just kind of hit this breaking point, and you know, I feel like this was not, this was not unique to me, you know, around kind of like that January, February, earlier this year, there was this, this wave of stories about hitting the pandemic wall. And that really, really resonated with me because I so, so hit my pandemic wall. And I just like 
could sense that I was on a direct path to burnout. And so I was like trying to, you know, do everything I could, like take my own advice, but you know, nothing was really working. And it was frustrating because for literally the past five years, I've written and edited hundreds of stories about, you know, job satisfaction and career happiness and how to prevent burnout, how to get out of burnout once you're there. And, you know, I like know all the tips. I know all the strategies. I know what works, but nothing was working. And so I got to this point in uh, early spring where I literally just had to say like, I need to step away for a little bit. And so I actually went on short-term disability for a while for mental health. And uh, so I was out for a couple months and that helped, but it was just, it wasn't as, it wasn't as rejuvenating and relaxing as I was hoping, partly because in the back of my mind, I knew at some point the party's over and I have to go back to having a job. And, you know, it wasn't even anything specific to my jobs. I love my job. I love the times. I love the work that I was able to do. It was just this idea of having to go back to a job it was just too much. And I just like, really had to be honest with myself about like, what is the thing that's really giving me such dissatisfaction in life and making me so unhappy? And, you know, it was a tough realization to realize that it was jobs. Like, and again, not the job that I had, but just the concept of having a job right now was more than I was emotionally able to handle. And so I just had to say like, all right, like I've reached a breaking point. Like this is what I need to do to, uh, you know, for my own mental health and to make sure that this burnout doesn't turn into like a serious, like actual crisis. I want to learn more about your next steps and what, when you envision going back into the workplace, what that would mean for you. But going back to, you said like earlier this year and experiencing burnout. What was that like for you? I, I want to s- explore this only because people listening may not realize they're experiencing burnout, but you are. And and what are the consequences of that? Yeah. So, I mean, it, so it, it can take so many different uh, expressions, right? And so for me, what that looked like was like physically being unable to do the work that I knew I needed to do. And, and, you know, like I, you know, in general, like any journalist, like I'm not super great at deadlines, but generally speaking, I, I know how to get the work done by the time that it needs to be done. And so I was just having this kind of week after week, I was like unable to get the work done by the time it needed to be done. And this was, you know, again, like someone who's like, okay, with deadlines, not great, Like this was a total different flavor of that. This was like being physically unable to like actually like get out the Smarter Living newsletter every week or like write the story by the deadline that it needed to go. And so this was a new experience for me. And so from there, you know, the way that I experienced it was it was just this cascading effect where like I was falling down in one area and that stressed me out and gave me more anxiety and it made me fall down in other areas. And it really was just this snowball where I just like felt this like, deep exhaustion in a way that isn't the type of exhaustion that you can cure with like a weekend of sleeping in. It was the type of exhaustion that I know like needed a serious concerted effort to resolve. Mm. And once I kind of, once I had the realization that this was not, this was something new, this is not anything that I had experienced before. This was just this, you know, exhaustion that was just all encompassing. That's when I kind of realized like, all right, like I need to like get away from the, the day job before things like truly turn like awful and it becomes like a much more serious issue. Um, so that was kind of my breaking point, but you know, mm-hmm. burnout can take so many different, um, yes. 
you, you have so many different uh, uh, expressions, you know, like, you know, people like experience it a lot of the times in uh, concert with like depression or like overall anxiety or like changes in like eating habits, changing in sleeping habits, um, all kinds of different symptoms. And so it really does vary. But, you know, for me, the overarching one was just this exhaustion to the point where I, I couldn't, you know, function on a day to day way. I'm sure in the past, if you were writing this article, or I have read articles where, you know, if people are experiencing this at work, maybe the first step should be to talk to your employer, talk to your manager. Did you have conversations with people at work who could have helped to create a more amenable environment for you? Or you did take time away and you took short-term disability, but if you had those conversations, what were they like? So so this is one thing that I very much did wrong. And I like to anybody who thinks they're on the path to burnout or is there like the, the biggest piece of advice that I would have is to speak up early before it gets to a crisis point. Like I, I didn't because like, again, this is an area that I like, I literally like cover professionally. And so I kept thinking like, I know how to dig myself out of this. I just need to like give myself time to do it. But like, I wasn't able to do it. And so I didn't eventually reach out until it was kind of too late. And so the first conversation that I had had with, uh, with my, with my manager at the time was a conversation where I said like, Hey, I'm like two weeks away from a crisis. Like I need to take some time off. And like, you know, in a, in a different universe, like had I had that conversation, like the first week of January, instead of like waiting, you know, another two months, like maybe things would have panned out differently. Um, but you know, that was the, that was the way that I, that was the best way that I could deal with it. You know, I was just unable to deal with it in any other way. And so, you know, that's where we landed. And, you know, at the end of the day, like, I'm very satisfied with where I am right now. And like, things are so, so much better. Um, but, you know, it could have been, I think, I, I think I probably eventually would have reached this point anyway. But I think the path here would have been so much smoother if I had had these conversations much earlier on than I did. So that would be my biggest piece of advice for people hmm. in a job who may be experiencing burnout or think they're on a path to burnout. And employers, would you agree, they're more prepared for these types of conversations, especially now? Oh, absolutely. Even like in normal times, like, like you know, if you work at like a generally well-run company, like there are protocols in place specifically to deal with this issue. And like even you know, now more than ever, like it, there's been so many stories about employers who are dealing with um, employee burnout on scales that like dwarf anything that has ever happened before. And so I think even now employers are so much more cognizant of how to handle employees who are in this type of situation. And I think they like, you know, like I think for the most part, you know, they're, they're really, they want to encourage folks to like reach out if they're feeling like this, you know, like when, when an employee reaches burnout, like it's not good for the employee. It's not good for the employee, employer. It's not good for the managers. It's not good for the work. So nobody wants Anybody, you know, in the whole, you know, in the whole machine, nobody wants an employee to reach burnout. And so there are like specific protocols for dealing with this. Like, so for example, for me, um, so when I finally brought this up with my manager, um, you know, it was a relatively straightforward process where like, okay, like glad we had this conversation from here. What happens is we put you in touch with occupational safety, occupational safety talks to you, you deal, you figure out what the best solution is. For me, that turned out to be short-term disability. And there is, you know, a specific path for short-term disability for people who are having mental health issues. Like there, there are, are so many systems in place specifically to deal with this, that like, it's not a burden. It's not cumbersome on anybody. Like this is just part of having a job that sometimes these things come up and companies are prepared to deal with it. And when you said earlier that you were just done having a job, 
explain what that means. It was the accountability. It was the structure. It, you just needed, what were you looking to get away from? What was it about it? The grind that was like, really, you needed to get out of. That aspect of it all is kind of a much broader, much kind of higher level, big picture kind of philosophy that I've been kind of like developing for a couple of years and just kind of realized, you know, like I've, I've had a full-time job for 12 years now. And I just, you know, a couple of years ago, I just kind of had this, this thought that like, I like, I want to work for myself, you know, like if I'm going to devote so much of my life to something and work so hard at something, like I just want to work for myself, you know, and like, you know, the times is like an incredible place to work and like all my coworkers like are amazing. And so it's, you know, that aspect of this is much less about wanting to leave the times specifically, but it was about just like wanting to work for myself and just own the things that I'm doing um, 100% outright. And so, you know, when I talk about just not wanting to have a job again, you know, I, I, I you know, for, for the next, at least until the end of the year, like I'm just going to like hang out and travel and just not really work. But, you know, once the time comes for me to kind of figure out next steps, like, you know, I think the next step is probably going to be either working for myself or some combination of working for myself and either partnering or or whatever it may be with like a, a company or or structure or whatever it may be. Um, but, you know, I just think the, the idea, you know, I've never worked for myself. And so I think the idea of doing that is just really appealing. Um, and it's something that, you know, it's an interesting challenge that I've not ever had that I think I would like to just kind of experiment with and see how it goes. Do you think you would have been able to make this decision if you didn't have a financial cushion? And, and what's your advice for those who are like, yes, I, I'm i feeling Tim's energy. I, I, am, I am where he was at a couple months ago. I want to quit, but I don't know if I can afford it. So here I was like, I've been extremely fortunate that I've been in the position to build up a cushion. And, you know, as you know, like the, you know, the advice is like, if you can like have a year's worth of expenses, if not a year, at least six months and yada, yada. And so, um, you know, I was able to have that cushion. And so like, I feel very fortunate and like fully accept like the privilege of being in that position and not so many people are. Um, but, you know, for people who aren't there, like I think, and and, and this is something that, that I was aggressively doing was just trying to reprioritize one's finances in a way that sets you up for that. You know, like I, but at the time that I kind of made this decision, you know, earlier this year, you know, I wasn't necessarily positioned in the way that I am now to take as much time off uh, that, that I'm going to. And so I, I was working toward when I was working, reprioritizing my finances and kind of reconfiguring what the pie of my like personal finance life looks like and you know taking things away from here and putting them here and all that and trying to build up that cushion aggressively in a way that would position me to take all this time off because you know once I kind of realized that I needed so much time off then I just kind of like had to work backward and figure out okay like practically and operationally how do I actually make that happen and then you know kind of unspooling that thought it was like well like on the most base level like you need to have money to live your life and pay rent and afford food. And so that kind of became my, my top priority once I was able to establish that this is the goal that I'm trying to get at. So what is the path that I get there? On an earlier episode this week, I spoke with Jessica Carney, who's the podcast host of And Then I Quit. And in talking about how to financially afford quitting, she had a great tip, which was, you know, there's so many other jobs out there that are desperate for hires. And if we could just for a moment detach our sense of self-worth from our jobs, if you're if you're hating your job right now or you hate the idea of working the job that you have, 
and you don't have like a cushion, well, could you take on maybe a lesser paying job that's less stressful, better hours, just to buy you some time? It's at least keeping your head above water. So then you can kind of think about what your next act is going to be and start to really save your money. It won't work for everybody, but it was an interesting strategy. I love that idea. And last year, one of the most popular stories that I wrote, um, the headline was, I wrote this maybe in like August or September. And the headline was something along the lines of like, remember, your job is not who you are. And so the idea behind this was trying to disentangle our personal identity and lives from our work identity and lives. And this is so, so difficult. And for me personally, this is so, it's been such a difficult thing for me to do because I was so tied to the work that I was doing and and being at the Times and everything. And, you know, this is a problem, you know, you reach a point in your career where you kind of define yourself by the work that you do and the place you work at and what you're working on and all this. And it's so, so difficult to disentangle that. And like, I really had to like put in the emotional work to get at that place. Like even at the time that I'd written that story, the reason that I'd written that story was because we were all, work- we, you know, we all essentially because of lockdown lived at work. And so, you know, I feel like more at any other point in history, it was so, so difficult to realize that like you have two separate identities and they don't have to be like tangled up into this one identity. And so kind of having that realization of, okay, like it's actually fine not to define your entire life by the work you're doing, where you work, like what you're working on. Like for me, that was a huge hurdle, but it was crucial in kind of getting to a place where I felt like I could actually leave that life behind. Um, And so, you know, this idea of like stepping away from like, I I don't believe in this concept, but but what people refer to as a dream job, stepping away from that and taking, like you're saying, a lesser paying job that's maybe less stressful and requires less of your time and less commitment. That's a huge leap. But, you know, to get to even thinking about that leap, you do need to realize like, even if you're at your quote unquote dream job, which they don't exist, but if you're at a job that you love and, and really have been working toward realizing you can leave that and still be okay and still have an identity. Like that's like, like for me personally, that was a difficult realization. And in a lot of the folks, even just this weekend, since I like tweeted that I'd left, like this is a conversation I've had with folks who are like anxious about quitting a job that they've worked years to get to because they just felt like because they were there, they couldn't leave because their identities were so wrapped up yeah. in it. And I so, so felt that way. So getting out of that mindset for me was like really, really crucial. And I'm sure there's a lot of pause for those who want to quit. They they don't because, well, you don't want to be a quitter. You know, like you're literally quitting. And that's the thing that you're trying to avoid in your life because we've always been taught that you never quit, right? You always like stick it out. It's a sign of weakness, perhaps. But how should we change the narrative around the idea of quitting? I think this is like a real opportunity for our culture to give this idea of quitting more merit than it has received. So I have two thoughts about that. And this is a question I've thought a ton about. So first, um, and kind of the most straightforward is, um, I think part of part of the thought process around that idea is um, loyalty and trying to feel like you are committed to something and you have loyalty to something. And, you know, we need to realize like workplace and company loyalty is a one way street. Um, your company has no loyalty to you and uh, they'll drop you much easier than you will drop them. And so I think we need to like realize that and understand that 
Company loyalty is, is a one-way street. You'll, you, like, you'll never get that back from a company, any company in the world. That's true for any company. The other thing is I really thought back to when I worked at the, when I worked at the Washington Post, I had an editor that when I was leaving, uh, he was the editor that I, that I put in my notice to. He had this wonderful philosophy about jobs. And he said, look at jobs more as kind of tours of duty. And sometimes tours of duty come to an end. And I think that is such a smart and insightful philosophy that I had never thought of until that point. And it really changed the way that I looked at jobs. You know, like, I, you know, the, the, our, you know, the days of, you know, our parents working the same job for 40 years and then retiring with a pension, like that, those are gone and that's never coming back. And so getting away from this idea that we need to be loyal to a company for our career, I think is a really healthy outlook. Um, and it's also so beneficial for the worker. You know, there's study after study that says really the only way to get substantial increases in your income is to quit a job and find a new one. And so uh, I think job hopping and getting around and leaving a place, I think we should look at that less as quitting and more as just part of having a career. And that's just how careers work now. Um, you know, like nobody's going to stay at a job for 40 years anymore. Like those days are just not coming back. And so I think reframing the whole idea of what a career is around rather than like one job you have for decades to maybe like five jobs you have for like a couple years each, you know? Um, and again, like that's, that's good for workers. It's good for your income. I think it's good for like our like emotional and spiritual growth as we explore other things and other areas we might be interested in. And I think, you know, there's really not a downside. And, you know, I think there's, I think a lot of us, and I certainly did, a lot of us grew up uh, under the impression that employers look down on having a bunch of jobs in the span of like a decade, like having three jobs in a decade, like employers would look down on that. And like, that is simply not the case. Um, and I think just reframing what we think of as a career, I think is is something that a lot, I think was a long time coming, but I think that the pandemic has really accelerated. Um, like literally, I know like so many people who have just like left jobs in the way that I did, just like without anything on the horizon. And I think that's so, so healthy. And I think just like hopping around is, I think, you know, what I think to be like the healthiest way to approach one's career. I love the idea of tours of duty. And sometimes your tour is six months. Sometimes it's six years. You know, uh, no one's going to, no one should judge you on the length, but really what was the, what were the takeaways uh, during your time there? And someone else wrote on social media that your career, like let's stop looking at our careers as ladders, like climbing the ladder. Let's look at it as like navigating a jungle gym, you know, where go wherever you're drawn to, go where the momentum is. (laughs) Yes. That is amazing. I love that. But no, like it really is like, you know, I think, and this is, Certainly, I think accelerated by the pandemic, but at least in my personal lives and, and even, you know, when I was writing at the Times in, in things that I would hear from readers now, because like everything around us is so awful that we are prioritizing like life satisfaction and happiness and job satisfaction in ways that we never did before. And I think like leaving a job is a direct action we can take to reprioritizing uh, your, your life around satisfaction and happiness if you're not getting the right type of satisfaction you are from a job. Well, tell us how your days are now. Still pretty recent since you left. And by the way, how did you leave? Like, what did you send an email? Tell us about this, like the mechanics of quitting. Like, how do you quit your job, actually? Yeah, I mean, so like I, like I said, I was out on leave for a couple months and just the idea of going back was too much for me to bear. Um, but you know, you know, I, I think in general, anywhere you quit, it's pretty much the same 
process. Like you say, hey, like I'm putting in my notice. And then, you know, the, the basically the automated HR process kicks in. Um, and so I think that I think that process can seem daunting, but like, you know, I've had what, five or six jobs over my career. And like, every time I've quit, the process is the exact same. Like that is like such a, a regimented process, in my experience. I mean, I'm sure people have had other, other experiences. Um, but in terms of like what I've been up to, like really just like vibing, like I've been traveling a lot. Um, I've been trying to catch up with folks. Um, I like, if I want to like take a midday lunch and just hang out there for a couple hours, like I can. Um, if I just like want to go to the park on like a Wednesday afternoon and read, like there's nothing preventing me from doing that anymore. Um, you know, I'm sure at some point um, I'll get bored of this, but like also maybe not. Like maybe again, like maybe I'm just going to be retired and have hobbies. <laughs> like that life sounds amazing to me. What's your runway though? Like you can you just do that uh, without working, making an income? Well, again, like I, I was fortunate enough to have to, to be in a position where I could position myself up for this. And so, and again, like when I realized that this is where I wanted to end up, you know, I spent, you know, a lot of like really aggressive and concerted effort to build up my, you know, my, <clears throat> my, my war chest so that I could just like vibe for a while. And so, you know, at, at least until the end of the year, I'm just going to like hang out and chill. Um, but you know, I have like some runway after that. And like, if I, if, if it gets to January and I'm just like, I am not ready to go back to work. I am not ready to have a job again. Like I, Again, like I'm in the very fortunate and privileged position where that can be an option for me. I love that. And congratulations to you. You know, I, I've been collecting some questions from listeners about, you know, just the how to quit and any thoughts you have related to that. I'm going to answer that on Friday's episode. But uh, one thing that keeps popping up and it has always come up when when the topic is on quitting and leaving a job and having sort of that um, in between where you're looking for a new job or maybe you're going to start a business. but Getting your insurance, you know, that's the health insurance piece of this is often what keeps people from not quitting or at least uh, slowing down that journey. And and any advice you have for those who are listening who are like, I want to quit, but like, I, where do I get my benefits? This part, I will say, actually have not figured out. Um, so my insurance actually just ran out. This has also been my experience in, in all the jobs that I quit. Um, basically, Cobra is the go-to option. Cobra, right. Um, so, I mean, that's that's where I'm going to land once I, you know, I, I just haven't figured out because I just haven't gotten around to it. I'm just so busy, you know, my days are full of just playing with the cats. How, who has the time? <laughs> By um, the way, yeah. And, and, and Cobra is a great it sort of solve for the interim. It's not cheap, but it is probably the low hanging fruit. Right. There's obviously the marketplace and you can shop around for a fresh plan there. Cobra allows you to basically extend what you had when you were working and pay your premium plus your insure your company's premium plus a fee. So it's it's more than what you were used to, but if it's what's if it's just what's easiest, it's what a lot of people opt into. I've benefited from Cobra. I understand you're catching up on some television um, and <laughs> you were asking whether to watch The White Lotus. And uh, what do you think of it? I think it's pretty great. I, I have one episode left. I still, I haven't started it, but <clears throat> literally like I tweeted about this over the weekend and like literally everybody like without fail was like, yes, you need to watch it. Like <laughs> The just White Lotus. And I love these series that just are like, you know, six episodes and then you're done and then you can move on, you know, and this isn't, you know, there's no a lot, not a lot of commitment level, but it's making me want to go on a very long vacation. It takes place. <laughs> 
on an island in Hawaii and everything. It's like, I think it was actually the four seasons in real life, but they, you know, they turned it into something uh, different for the series. Yeah. I'm like, one day, one day I'm (laughs) going to, I'm going to do that. that We're all working toward I know. I'm like, remember three hour long breakfasts by the beach? No, I've never done that, you know, but it would be nice. Someday we'll get there. You Someday. and I have a three hour long beach breakfast. Well, in the meantime, before that, maybe we should get a drink and talk more, but thank you so much. Um, I feel very lucky to be able to have talked to you and bring you on and introduce you to the audience so quickly after you've made this big life decision. And I'm, we're, we're, we're really happy for you. Thank you for the inspiration and some of the strategy, Tim. I hope you enjoy this period in your life. You deserved it. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Really great to chat with you. You can follow Tim on Twitter at Tim Herrera, that's H-E-R-R-E-R-A, and on Instagram at Tim underscore Herrera. See you back here on Friday answering your money questions about how to quit. Thanks for sharing your time with us, and I hope your day is so money. Money.